Welcome to Passion Life Church. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for this gift of your word today. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, today be hearers, to have ears to hear, Father God, what you are saying to us. And Lord, I also just pray today, Lord, that you, Father, would work in our hearts, that we would be good soil today for what you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, get ready. It's time for the word. Today we are continuing this series that we've entitled Just Like Jesus. How many of you would think that our world, our culture, our community would be better if people acted more like Jesus? Let me see your hand. Oh, great. Because I believe that. And I also believe that it starts with us. Can you say a good amen? I've entitled today, Look in the Mirror. Look in the Mirror. I wonder how many times a day you look in the mirror. For you ladies, that uh, you may look in the mirror once, but it's a good two hours. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, or maybe just kind of throughout the day, you come out after, after lunch, you go into the, into the bathroom. You don't really go to the bathroom, but you are looking in the mirror to make adjustments, to see how you look. And today I want to talk about looking in the mirror, but a different type of mirror. It's really a, a spiritual mirror. Do you remember in, uh, I believe it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the evil queen, she said, she said, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? And the mirror talked back to her and said, not you. <laughs> it's no white. <laughs> and, um, but we look in the mirror, and today we're going to talk about looking to a different type of mirror. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. If you have a, a, a phone, you can scroll there. This is going to be our text for the rest um, of the series, our, our text that we're going to look at, our foundational text. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and it says this. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, when you were born, God was not surprised. Your parents may have been surprised when your mom was pregnant, but when you were born, God was not surprised. Amen. The Bible says that he foreknew us. I love talking to people in many years of ministry, and I hear when they say, and they introduce me to their kids, and this is Johnny, and this is little Jerry, and Jerry was a surprise. Jerry was an accident. I've heard people, I, I, when, when I hear that, I, I'm always like, how was this little kid an accident. You planned something and thought about something all day long on how to make that happen, but what you didn't plan for was the pregnancy. But other things you thought about, and kind of you know what I'm talking about, and to say that he was an interesting surprise or an uh, accident I'm telling you, I think there was more that went into that if we would be honest today. And yet when some people say that about people being an accident, you may be here today and feel like that's really what's 
what your life is about. I never knew my father. I never knew uh, him and uh, my mom. When uh, she got pregnant, my, my natural father left. But you know, I love this scripture because the Bible says that even in all of that, God foreknew me and God foreknew you. And he predestined you to be and to be conformed unto the image of his son. And so you thought, when you thought about, um, when you think about your life, when you think about, you know, who you are, God foreknew you and predestined you. Let me tell you what the word for foreknew means in the Greek. The New Testament was written in the Greek, but, you know, foreknew means to have knowledge beforehand. And this is, a, this is a strategic word today because this means that God planned for you to be here right now in 2016, that God had a strategic plan and a purpose for your life. He foreknew you. He foreknew you. And the Bible says not only that, but he foreknew you, but he predestined you. Now, let's be clear today that God's predestination is unto salvation, not unto destruction. There are scriptures all around the, in the New Testament that says it is God's will for everyone to be saved. How many of you believe that today? God doesn't say this one's going to hell, that one's going to heaven. You know what he does is he gives salvation. He gave his son Jesus to die on the cross. And then what he does is he lets you choose whether you accept this salvation or you reject it. It's up to us. It's not like the movie Willy Wonka. Do you remember when Veruca, I think that was her name, when she wanted a golden egg and some eggs would fall down and then the little thing would go and it said, rr, rr, bad egg. I think people think that's what God does. Like he creates some bad eggs. No, he doesn't. He creates people that he foreknew and he predestines them to, to be in conformity to the image of his son. And yet we get to choose where we spend eternity, whether it's in heaven or hell. That's our choice. The Bible says, for whom he knew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What an astounding statement. But here's the question. The question is, is this even possible? I mean, seriously, is this even attainable that you and I, now why do I say that? Because you know you and I know me. Come on, somebody. We know the real us. We know the real. Is it And God knows the real you. But is this attainable? Is it possible that you and I could be conformed, predestined, and conformed to the image of his son? You know, the word image in the Greek actually means likeness. Likeness. And God is saying, look, I have brought salvation to you so you can go to heaven. But I want you to hear this. Not just so when you die, you can go to heaven, but on your way to heaven while you're on this earth, you can act like Jesus. That you can act like Jesus. How many of you know that has been one of the biggest criticisms against Christianity about people? Is that, yeah, I know you go to church on Sunday. I know you're saved. I know you're going to heaven. But you know what? Monday through Thursday, you act exactly like me. You talk like me. You do the same things I do. And you call yourself a Christian. 
Have you ever heard those criticism? And I don't know if it's because we just don't understand the word of God or because we think that this salvation is just for heaven. You know what? That God saved us just so we can go to heaven. No, God saved us so we can go to heaven, but God saved us also so we can act like Jesus on our way to heaven as we live on this earth. Can you say a good amen? And I believe what our community needs and our city needs are people and Christians that are Christ-like and willing to be just like Jesus. Salvation is also to conform you where you are right now into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So you can take the likeness of Jesus Christ into your home today, into your work on Monday, into our community. Because I'm just going to be honest, it's not important that our community see you. What's important is that our community sees Jesus. And a lot of times we get in the way. And that is my goal, to get out of the way so people can see Jesus, so they can see who he really is. And maybe it's just because I think some of God's children haven't embraced this truth in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that God truly does want to conform us to the image of his son. Listen, it's not only to live saved lives but to live called lives. What do I mean by called? Called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? That you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. So here's back to the original question. Is it possible? Can we do it? Is it attainable? The Bible talks about being conformed. You know what that means? It actually means to be molded. It means to imitate. That God wants to mold us into the image of his son. You know, this word molded actually is the same word. This word conformed is actually the same word that's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, do not be conformed to, the, to this world. In other words, don't be molded to this world. Let God mold you into the image of his son. You know, when I think about that, I think about in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about us being on a potter's wheel and God is the potter. Have you ever seen a potter work with clay to make it into this beautiful vessel and it gets on a wheel and the wheel starts spinning? And what does that potter do? The potter takes their hands and gently starts to mold the clay. The potter doesn't start to beat the clay. See, I think a lot of people think that's what God wants to do. But what he wants to do is take his hands and he begins to mold the clay, because there's a vessel that he wants to make that is beautiful. And you know what's amazing is that potter will look at the clay and as it sees imperfections, it will take imperfections out of the clay. Why? So it can make it a beautiful vessel. And that's what I think about when I think about being conformed. Now, we have to be aware. Here's the Father's hands, and he's working, and he wants to conform us to the image of just being just like Jesus. But there's another set of hands that wants to put it on the clay, and that's the world. And the world wants to use its hand to mold you into what they think that you should be. But yet God wants us to be conformed. But we need to be aware that there's conforming that's happening. And I like to say it this way. You're either conforming to be just like Jesus or you're conforming to be just like the world. 
I want to be just like Jesus. So let me give you three things today, if I could say three truths, that if you want to be like him, that if you could apply this to your life, I think it's the first initial step. Here's number one. You got to want it. You got to want it to happen. There's got to be a desire in you to say, you know what, Jesus, I want to be just like you. You have to look at this verse in Romans 8 and say, God, that's me. Conform me into the image of your son. I want to be conformed. Now, listen, this doesn't happen by osmosis. This doesn't happen just because I showed up to church today and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just like Jesus, right? No, you know what happens? It starts by a desire saying, God, I want to be conformed. I don't want, I want to know who you are. How many of you know you don't get healthy just because you walk into Whole Foods? Because I'd walk in every day. How many of you know you don't get healthy and fit and in shape by having a gym membership? $10 a month. No, no, not even $10 a month. $9.99 a month. And I love that. These people are geniuses because they know some people will sign up and never go. And you're paying for it, right? But how many of you know if that's all it took to get in shape, sign me up. But how many of you know you can't just sign up for the gym membership? You actually have to go and work out. You got to lift the weights. You got to want that change. And so as you want that and there's a desire, God will do it. And you know what? Let me just say it is possible and it can happen that you and I can be just like him. Now, I didn't say we are going to be Jesus. I said we are going to be imitators of him and his likeness. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Acts that they saw the disciples and they saw, they saw, they looked at them and they said, man, these people have been with Jesus. Acts chapter four, verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What an incredible compliment. Could you imagine? You show up on work tomorrow and they just, people just start looking at you and just say, there's something about you that's different. Something about you that's different. It's just different. It's just different. And you know what? When we're just like Jesus, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. So number one, we've got to be willing to want to say, Jesus, I want to be like you. Number two, we've got to be willing to submit, listen, to the process, to the process. Well, Pastor Phil, I just want six minute abs. Some of you bought that. I want that six pack, or you can have a one pack like me. Six minute abs, man. You know what, in America, we do not like the word process. We don't, you know what we want? I wanna drive through, just let me drive through, let me grab what I need, come on, just give it to me quick. Pastor Phil, I'm gonna come down to the altar after this, pray for me and I will be perfect. It doesn't work that way. I think that's what people, just pray for me, I'll never come back to church again, but just pray for me and I'll be perfect. No, it doesn't work that way. Guess what? There is a process, would you say it with me? Say, process. process. 
There is a process that happens. But see, here's what's good. It is a good process because I'm still in process. In other words, God is still working on me. Can anybody else say that? Now, see, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be because there is a process. And even today, some of you, God has been working in your life because you already have submitted to this. There's many of you in this room that this is already happening in your life. Even in worship, you could sit in a service like this and guess what? The Holy Spirit starts to talk to you and the Holy Spirit starts to confront you about imperfections in your life. He starts to confront you about things that need to change. And even now in your heart, the Holy Spirit can be saying, look, you need to work on that attitude. That's not a Christ-like attitude. I want to help you with that. Everybody say, it's a process. And so in some of this teaching, I want to warn you, it's this, you're going to be challenged. And being challenged is good. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is good and God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. I believe you're here today because you want to change. But how many of you know you cannot change what you're not willing to confront? You cannot change what you're not willing to be honest about. I've done many sessions of counseling with people, and one of the hardest things it is for people is to be honest. It's just be honest. You cannot change until you're willing to acknowledge where you are. You can't move forward until you say, hey, here's where I'm at. And although process isn't a popular term in America, guess what? God wants to put you on that wheel and he wants to take out the imperfections and work in your life. And what is the result? So you can be like Jesus. So here's the question. How does it happen? How, how do we do it? How can God bring this to pass in our lives? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Let's look at how. How many of you know for every great thing that happens, there's a great how it happens? And I could tell you, and that's what I love. If you're here, you should join us for Life Group this week. We're talking about storytellers. People in our, in our church have been sharing their stories. It's been phenomenal. And one of the feedbacks that I get from storytellers is people say, I never knew that couple went through that. You would never know. And you know, I, I love that. But you know what? They went through a process and we look at them now and go, wow, they're amazing. And then when they share what they went through, you say, wow, look what God can do. And there's always a great, when something great happens, but there's always a great how it happens. Let's look at how this happens. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17. It says, now the Lord is the, that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed. Everybody say that with me. Say changed. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, what is that glory? That glory is Jesus, even as by the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we looked at that there is a mirror. There is a glass that we can look in. 
And it's a mirror like no other mirror because in this mirror that we look at, we don't see ourselves. We actually see Jesus. We see his glory in this mirror. There's no other mirror like it. Every other mirror on the earth is just merely a reflection of what is standing in front of us. But now Paul is telling us that there's actually a mirror that you can look in and you can see God. You can see Jesus, God's son. So here's the question. Where do I find this mirror? Where do I find it? Where where is it? Where can I find this mirror? Because it says when I look in this mirror, listen to this, it says we are changed into that same image. So there is a mirror that I can look into that reveals Jesus that when I look into it, I am changed into that same image. So the question becomes, where's that mirror? Where's that mirror? Because it's a unique mirror. It changes us. We look at him and you know what? We start to become like that image. It changes our attitudes. We start to act like him. We start to talk like them. So where is that mirror? Turn over to James chapter one, verse 22. And I'm gonna show you what this mirror is that we can look at so we can be like him. James chapter one, verse 22. James, my heart goes out to James James was Jesus's brother. Can you imagine being Jesus's brother? You could never play hide and seek. Never play hide and seek. Always, James, can't you just be like Jesus? Come on, James. James chapter one, verse 22. It says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers. That word hearers, it means understanding. In other words, listen, he's not talking about just hearing a song a sound. What he's saying is there are people that will look at this word, hear his word. They will understand it, but they won't do it. Now listen, he says this, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers means understanding only deceiving yourself. Verse 23, for if you be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. Now, James is telling us when I hear and understand the word of God and I don't do it, I'm actually deceiving myself. I'm going to be honest with you. If somebody deceives me and I don't know it, hey, I still don't like being deceived. But you know what? I'm not going to deceive myself. I'm not going to be the one that's deceiving myself. And James says that when we understand the word of God and we don't do it, hey, guess what? We're like a person that is deceiving ourselves. When I don't take this word and I don't apply it to my life, I'm deceiving myself. Now, check this out. This is interesting. Now we find out what the mirror is. The mirror is the word of God. Would you say that the mirror, come on, say it loud. The mirror is the word of God. Now watch, according to James, he says this, when we look and we understand the word of God, when we look into this mirror, the first thing that it's gonna reveal is ourself. So when you look in the mirror, the first thing it's gonna show you It's a pretty amazing. It's going to show you your spiritual pimples. 
Hey, it's going to show you what you need to change. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says that if a man hears the word and he does not be a doer of the word, he is like a man beholding in his natural face a, a glass mirror. In verse 24, it says this, for he beholdeth himself and goes his way straight away, forgetting what manner of man. That word manner means significant. He looks into this, he understands it, but he doesn't apply it to his life. And there's no life change that happens. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he forgets what manner of man and the word manner there is significant. In other words, this can show you, ladies and gentlemen, how significant your life could be. But he looks at it, sees himself, and instead of making any adjustments, instead of applying it to his life, he walks away. He deceives himself, and there's no life change. There's no life change. How often do you look in the mirror? You know, mirrors are pretty amazing. And this mirror is a perfect mirror. This is without blemish. I don't know if you've ever looked into a flawed mirror. Have you ever gone to like a gas station, walked into the bathroom, and somebody actually like cut and scraped the mirror and you look in it and it looks like you got scars all over your face because the mirror is flawed? Do you know that this is a perfect mirror? Now, here's what's important. When I was growing up, there were days, and I'm going to be honest and transparent with you, I did not want to look in the mirror. I had acne so bad on my face, literally so bad, that one day I had two pimples on each eye, and it looked like I had black and blue eyes. My friends thought I came out of the Rocky movie. They thought, literally, when I'd walk in the room, they'd play Eye of the Tiger, because I looked like Rocky Balboa. I mean, I looked I had, like I had been punched in both Right. And there were days that I had acne so bad, I didn't even want to look in the mirror because I didn't want to see my own face. But you know what? The mirror was perfect. And sometimes we don't like to look in this because it does reveal truth. But I'm just going to say this to you. See, what the mirror will reveal when you look in it, it will reveal imperfections that God is trying to work on you to get out. Why? So you can be just like Jesus. This will reveal, hey, this attitude that you have is not right. And let me just say this. Let me just bring it to home. I have talked to people and I've known people that God has been working on their attitude for years. And they were like this man. They understood understand that God wants them to change, but they don't apply it to their life. And guess what? Their bad attitude ended up costing them their job. You know why? Not because God wasn't good. God gave them the favor to get the job, but because of their own character, they couldn't keep the job. And they're like, I've had people say, oh, Pastor Phil, well, where was God? Let me just tell you, every time you looked in the mirror, he was trying to get that imperfection out of your life. Why? Because it's going to cost you. It's going to hurt you in the long run. And so he's been trying to get this bad attitude out of you for years. And now you have no income and you've been fired from a job because you know what? You said, I ain't going to apply that to my life. And the whole time God was trying to work and had you on the wheel. And he knew that that one imperfection could really hurt your life. 
hurt your marriage. So when this, and we look into this great law of liberty, the Bible says, it's going to reveal imperfections. But my church family, it also reveals the man and the woman that you and I can be in Christ. It's also a reminder of who we are in Christ. But you know what? Can I just be honest? I'd rather take care of my imperfections in the restroom in front of the mirror, me in the mirror, than my imperfections be public. I would rather adjust myself and make sure I'm okay in the mirror and do the work while I look in here than walk out on stage and realize that my zipper is open because I did not look in the mirror and it becomes a public spectacle and I could have handled something in private, but no, it wasn't handled in private. It was handled in public because I didn't use the mirror correctly. My mom has this big mirror that she takes with her. It's got lights on it. And the mirror switches. It's a regular mirror. One day I went up and she wasn't looking. I looked at it and the mirror switches. And on the other side of the mirror, it's like a magnifying mirror. And she puts her face in there. And I'm just watching her with, it's all lit up. And I just, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, I don't know if I could look at myself that close. But you know, I saw a picture of my mom the other day on Facebook And I just looked at her and I said, man, she is one beautiful woman. She looks good. Like she's in her sixth. She looks better than I do. She's looked. And I was thinking about the message today. And I was thinking about, she looks in the mirror a lot. And we laugh at that. But you know what? My mom is committed to getting out the imperfections that the mirror is showing her. Why? So her life can be better. So she can be like Jesus, and this here will reveal to you who you can be. And now the decision is, are you going to make the adjustment? I know it's tough. I know it's tough to look in the mirror and sometimes, especially if us, if we'll be real honest, we're getting older, right? I'm going to be, I'm not a big mirror person. If I'm okay, I'm all right. But then I realize now as I'm getting older, things are changing beyond what I would like. That hair from my head is going outside of my forearms and my forearms are getting hairier than my head. The other day, I looked and just so happened to see in the mirror, I have hair coming out my ears. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hair is on my ear. I have talked to people in conversation, especially men as we get older, they have hair on their nose. And as I'm talking to them, I feel like their hair is saying hi. Because I'm like, did you look in the mirror today? Because you, like, you got some curls up here. Spike that out or do, I don't know, do something. But it's kind of interesting. But my wife now, she loves it. She's like, you got hair on your ears. She goes in and gets her tweezers. And she's like, sit down. I'm plucking those things out. And I'm sitting there and I just, it feels like torture. I feel like I'm being waterboarded. I'm going to be honest with you. She's plucking each hair out. And it, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. And all the wives here are smiling and going like this to their husband. I guess you do the same too. But I'm like, and my son's on the floor on his back laughing his head off like ah, dad that's so funny and I'm sitting there and I'm playing I'm like God I have three questions when I get to heaven two of them are for Adam number one did you have a belly button when you were created that's what I want to know number two how did the apple taste Adam was it good enough 
for the fall of mankind? Was it a gala apple? And this is the third question. God, why does hair go from here as we hit middle age and start coming out other parts of our body? I don't understand. My forearms are more hairier now than they ever have been. I'd like to take a little bit of this hair and put it back up here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I got a good amen. And all I'm trying to say to you today, it's not easy to see your weakness in the mirror. But you know what? Through God's love, through his love, he wants to show you what you need to change. Can you say a good amen? And he wants to take care of it when you look in the mirror. And that's what he'll do. He'll speak to you. And let me give you this last point because it's not just wanting it. You know, and I appreciate you being here at church because I believe you want to change. That's why you're here. Number two, it's being submitted to the process that's saying, God, work on me every day. I want to do this. But here's number three. Don't just behold, look. Listen to this. Don't just behold, Look, James says this, watch this in verse 24. For he beholdeth himself and he goes away straight away forgetting what manner of man or significant person that he could be. The word behold means this. It means to notice or to glance. So he's talking about the person that doesn't apply the word, what they do, this is how they look in the mirror. They see the mirror and they glance at it, hey, they, right? They just glance and they walk away. They behold, in the Greek behold means to glance, to notice. That's how some people, their relationship with the mirror is a glance, a hey, a look, and I'm just gonna glance at that. You know, the Bible says, that God can bring such a change in our life that when we receive Jesus, that all of the old things pass away and we become a new creation and all things become new. You know what those all things mean in the Greek? That means a new attitude, new actions, and new believing. Let me say that again. New attitudes, new actions, and new believing. My church family, that is the biggest criticism of Christians. The only difference between me and you is I sleep in on Sunday, you go to church. But Monday through Saturday, you talk like me, you, you, you say the same things I do, you, you act like me. The only difference is, is that I sleep in on Sunday and you go to church. And my church family, God doesn't want us just to behold and glance. What he wants us to do is look. Look at this in verse 25, James chapter 1, verse 25. It says, but whosoever looketh, notice it changed from beholding to looketh, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's this mirror, the Bible, and continue in. The what? What does that mean? Every day I'm looking at it. I'm just, come on. We look at ourselves in the mirror every single day. Every, and he says, and you continue therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You know what? The one translation says, this person will be blessed in all that they do. A person, now watch, here's the difference. Beholding is I'm just glancing. I know I need to forget. I'm not going to forget. Who they think they are. That's the behold. But here's the Greek word for look. The Greek word 
For a look means to bow down and get a closer look. You say, I need to forgive. God, why do I need to forgive? Oh, because you forgave me of everything. The other day I was at a tire shop. There was a nail that was in my wife's Jeep Liberty. So I was getting it fixed. I was sitting there. There's tons of cars outside. I was just looking around, glancing, beholding. Then all of a sudden, to the left, it was like the sun was shining down, was a black Lamborghini. And my behold went to a look. And I saw that thing. I put my coffee down. I got up, got my stuff, went outside. I could just imagine the owner looking at me, man, that guy's creepy. But I'm thinking, that's why you bought the car, so people like us would do what we're doing. Then I posted on Facebook, I don't usually see Lamborghinis, but when I do, I act like the paparazzi. I was taking pictures. I was looking on the inside, thinking about what type of person would drive a Lamborghini in Marietta, California. I'm looking at the engine in the back. I'm literally like this, looking at the tires, walking around, and I'm just glancing, taking pictures, posting photos. I was looking, not just glancing. And the Bible says the person that looks, looks, bows down, looks, not a literal bow, but a heart that is looking and says, God, show me. I want to be predestined and conform to the image of your son. You walk away and you do what the Bible says. The Bible says you will be blessed in everything that you do. Come on, would you give him a good round of applause? How often... Do you look in the mirror? And here's what happens every day. Just like you look in a physical mirror and you make your adjustments. I don't know what you do. As you make your adjustments, you start to change. Every day when you look in here, the Bible says you start to be like him. Attitudes change. Right? Actions, character begins to change. You say, Pastor Phil, why is this so important? This is so important. So when you go to your family, your family just doesn't see you. They see Jesus. That my son wouldn't just see Phil Valdez, but he would see Jesus in me. That the people at my work would not just see a guy who's at work, but they would see Jesus in me. And you all agreed as we started, wouldn't it be better if people in our community could see Jesus? But let's not be like the ones that say, oh, I want everybody else to change but not me. No, you need to be like Jesus too. Your family needs you to be like Jesus. Our community needs you to be like Jesus. Not just to be saved so we can go to heaven, my church family, but on the way to heaven while we're on earth, we act just like Jesus so he can get the glory. Would you give him one more great round of applause right where you're at? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.